Wait, Did you that? see that? <gasps> what? Yeah. What is this? What? Oh my gosh, what's going on? No, no. This is the part that's scary because nothing's happening. <laughs> oh! Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <gasps> no! <laughs> no! That was scary. That was scary. That was scary. It's time for girls and ghouls. Okay, let's talk about it. Meow. Right, meow. Rat meow. My nose itches all of a sudden. <laughs> it's the ghosts. The ghosts. They're tickling my nose. Hey. Welcome back, guys. What's going on? Any ghosts lately? Any good ghost stories? Anything come up in the news? I, I haven't seen anything in the news. I haven't. I don't read the news, though. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I look sometimes, um, but nothing good. Nothing good. We do have um, something fun. We got pearl stickers. Yay for pearl stickers. I'm really excited She's about so this. She's so cute. I know. She's so cute. So if you want one, our sweet little pearl, our ghost with her little pink bow and her eyelashes, if you want a pearl sticker, all you got to do is email us a story. And if we read it in an episode, we'll send you one. So it's that easy. Super simple. Girls and Ghouls podcast at gmail.com, or you can just go to girlsandghouls.com and hit the contact tab, and uh, we'll read your story. We'll tell everyone about the terrible things that you encounter, and we will enjoy it That's for right. our entertainment. That's right. <laughs> so make sure you include your mailing address. We will not read that part on air, but we will mail you a pearl sticker. Indeed. Indeed. Indubitably. Indubitably. This episode is brought to you by the word indubitably. I've decided that that's my new favorite word. It is? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I don't, it's just fun to say. It's just fun to say. I get it. It's just a good Indubitably. one. Indubitably. Indubitably. It needs to be brought back into regular speech. That's what I say. I think the fancy people use it. I'm not fancy, but I'm going to use it. There you go. <laughs> because I can. There you go. So there. Um, Do we have any other news? Anything to share before we just get creepy? No. I think we're good. Let's do this. We're just, we're just going to jump in. Today's going to be fun because apparently we both have something Irish to share. Irish. Irish. I think what you said earlier was harder. Irish. <laughs> I know. I don't really... Irish. I don't know. I feel like we should have recorded this one for like last week because it was St. Patrick's Day week. Yeah. I mean, except for one thing. Like, my story is not super nice. <laughs> Mine's not <laughs> either. Irish people. So this is a, a to, to pay our respects to the Irish, we're reading it after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Telling stories after. <laughs> yeah, mine's not very nice. Mine's pretty scary. Oh. <laughs> it was fun to research, though, I have to say. The really creepy ones are fun to research because there's all kinds of goodness online about them. Yeah. All kinds of goodness. And I love stories like this because my story is directly from Ireland, and so it's really old. Oh. Like, older than, like, U.S. stories because the U.S. is still a young country. See, I'm not going to lie. Just now, I thought you were spelling U.S. like us. And I was like, well, I hope it's older than us, Kirsten, because we're not that old. It's a lot older than us, a but no, it's also us. a lot older than America. Than the America. That America. That's right. America. Land of the free. Yeah. Home of the burgers. Home of the... <laughs> oh, by the way, quick update. Hot Dog Heaven. Has closed its doors. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's such I, a yeah. bummer. That's okay. I found yeah. out one of the haunted places that I was researching that I was hoping to go visit, like in a couple weeks, mm-hmm. burned to the ground last year. <gasps> That's scary. Mm-hmm. Did a ghost do it? 
I don't know. I was so angry that I was like, forget this. Like, threw my notes across the room. So. Well, that sucks. So, yeah, we can't go have, like, ketchup packets thrown at us at Hot Dog Heaven. And no one will say, yes, ma'am. Yeah, we'll have to find another haunted restaurant to eat at. So We should just go to Savannah because we could go to the Pirate's House and we'll have stuff thrown at us. Perfect. And lights will move and... Stuff like that. Perfect. We'll see all. Yeah, we'll just do that. We'll just do that. And we can, we can stay at the Marshall House, or and have the little the little children bite us no. and pinch our heinies. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> see, I live with children that'll bite me. It's fine. <clears throat> Dad wants to do it too. It's fine. It's fine. So, we're just gonna get right into this. Yeah, I am gonna be telling the story of Loftus Hall which dates all the way back to 1350. I mean, that's a little old. I, yeah. It's, it's kind of old. Just smidgy smidge. Yeah, like almost 700 years, yeah. Is that all? Um, yeah. See, that's why I like <laughs> Ireland, and I, like, I just like Europe in general, because things yeah. are like truly old. Yeah. Like old. <laughs> like old. <laughs> really old. old. <laughs> really old. So this is the story of Loftus Hall. Now, I I decided to dig around in Ireland because I went to Ireland last summer. And it is very old. And there's a lot of creepy places, but they're also cool places. So I was just curious to see what I could dig up. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in Ireland. I think partly because of, like, the potato famine. A lot of people died. And it's just, you know, it was a war-torn country for so long. and Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just got a lot going on. So this particular story is about a place called Loftus Hall that was built around 1350. Um, I am not going to know where this is, but I'm going to tell you in case people from Ireland are listening. It's on Hook Peninsula on the east coast of Ireland in County Wexford. So there you go. Fancy. Yes. Um... It, let's see, it saw a lot of the Irish Confederate Wars in the mid-1600s. The castle itself, the house itself, was repeatedly attacked, and eventually it was seized as part of the Cromwellian confiscations. And in 1666, Henry Loftus, who was originally from England, he acquired the lands and the mansion and renamed it Loftus Hall. So, fast forward 200 years. The Loftus family is now a prestigious family still living in Loftus Hall. They were very much about appearances because they had hoped Queen Victoria would come for a visit to their fancy hall, and she never did. But they spared no expense to renovate the house and make it amazing and whatever. And uh, so it's a three-story mansion. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, The staircase when you first walk in is one of those grand staircases that looks like the one from the Titanic. Where it's this really wide, beautiful Italian craftsman staircase, and then it splits and goes up to the left and to the right. And beautiful, huge, massive house. Anyway, um, so, okay, the story that I'm going to tell, the original story, before we even get to all the creepy haunting stuff, is from the 1700s. So there was a man named Charles Tottenham who married. A lot, the Loftus woman. I don't, I saw records that her name was Anne, but they also had a daughter named Anne. So it's a little confusing and I don't know. It's a really old story. So I don't know how much of this is accurate, but there was a daughter named Anne. The mom apparently died a couple years after the daughter was born and he eventually remarried and lived in Loftus Hall with his new wife and their children, one of whom was his daughter, Anne. Mm -hmm. So... The legend is that on a dark and stormy night, a stranger shows up at the door of the Loftus Hall seeking shelter, which apparently this was kind of a normal thing because Loftus Hall sits like on a cape or whatever of the peninsula. So ships come by a lot. The seas are kind of rough. So when there's storms, people seek shelter, right? Right. They just park their boat. (laughs) However that works. (laughs) And they, and they seek shelter. So this man comes to Loftus Hall seeking shelter, and apparently he stayed for a little while. I don't know, several days or even maybe a few weeks. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, he stayed for an indeterminate amount of time, but it was long enough that the daughter, Anne, who was now a young woman, fell in love with him. 
So, what? <laughs> I feel like this is like a, a Bronte story already. Like we're about to it go. Like sounds like it. All Wuthering Heights right now, but it's creepier. <laughs> Wuthering Heights was friggin' terrifying, <laughs> guys. If I haven't read it in ages. Watch so. the movie with the with the the guy. What's his name? Ralph. Whatever his name is. The guy who plays... Ralph Macchio? No, the guy who plays Voldemort. <laughs> oh, because I was like, what? No. The Karate Kids and Wuthering Heights? No. <laughs> you got to, like, watch that one, because this sounds literally identical. I wonder if... She may have gotten it I from wonder there. if, yeah, if that inspired her. Ooh. I don't know. So anyway, so there's this, you know, handsome stranger. He comes in to seek shelter and falls in love with him. So the legend has it that they were playing cards one night in what's known as the Tapestry Room. And while they were playing cards, Anne dropped one of her cards on the floor and she reached under the table to pick it up and she noticed that this handsome stranger had cloven feet, which means they were hooved. What? Yeah. When she screamed and said something about it, he apparently exposed himself as being the devil turned into a shadowy ball of fire and shot through the roof and disappeared. That escalated quickly, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, what the crap? So the legend is that this happened. Anne never recovered. She lost her mind and she was confined to the tapestry room until her death in 1775 at the age of 31. When she died, she was buried in a really strange-shaped coffin because she died in a seated position what? with her arms wrapped around her knees, and it was like she was like locked in that position, like the fetal position. What? They said she was frozen, maybe in fear or because of the torture of her situation, and she was buried in a crypt not far from Loftus Hall. Oh, my gosh. So before we even get to the, like, ghost stuff, that's just creepy. Yeah. So... The poltergeist activity began around the time of the stranger shooting through the roof. And they called in various Protestant and Catholic priests, which was unheard of back then because a lot of the war in Ireland, Northern Ireland and Ireland was religious war between the Protestants and the Catholics, right? Right. So they would call in both priests, Protestant and Catholic priests, um, to help. And finally, Catholic priest Father Thomas Broders was said to have successfully exercised the home And when he died, his headstone was engraved with the inscription, Here lies the body of Thomas Broders, who did good and prayed for all, and who banished the devil from Loftus Hall. Pretty catchy. (laughs) That is catchy. I hope that's, like, inscribed somewhere. Like, I want to cross-stitch it. (laughs) You should. So, you know, more likely, and I don't know, I mean, there's, there's, there's some stuff we'll get into that kind of alludes to the devil being in this house, but... If you really think logically, what probably happened is that Anne fell in love with this man and her father said, no, you can't get married. And he had to leave and she was heartbroken and she drove herself to insanity. I don't know. You know, we don't know what happened, but it could have happened anyway. What's funny, though, of note is that every time this house has ever been renovated, the hole in the ceiling continues to come back. Weird. Mm-hmm. So how are people how are so, people explaining that? They can't. Oh. It's the only place in the house where there's a hole in the ceiling. That's really And no weird. matter how many times it's been renovated and patched up and fixed and rebuilt, it always comes back. So, here's a twist. During one of the renovations of the home in the mid-1800s, so about 60 or so years after Anne died in the room, they found skeletal remains of an infant in the wall in the tapestry room where Anne died. What? Yeah. What? So, in could the wall, it be like, that in the wall? Now, we're so, talking about a structure from 700 years ago. This wasn't drywalled. Right. This is like a stone wall, correct? Right. Most likely. So, this was not like, oh, we accidentally dropped a baby into the wall. This was a, Mm-mm. hey, we knocked a hole in the wall, put a baby in. Stoned it back up. Stoned it back up. Yeah. Now there's a baby in the So there's a couple things that that could have possibly happened. Okay. Maybe Anne and this man slept together and she got pregnant. 
And the family did not want to shame their reputation because, like I said, they were a very prestigious family. Mm-hmm. So they confined Anne to the room until she gave birth, and then they killed the baby to hide the story. Or oh. the other story is if they were convinced that the stranger was the devil, then they were also convinced that their daughter was having the child of the devil. Oh. Fun stuff, right? I mean, and they take that they took that stuff pretty seriously back then. They really I mean, did. They took if, it very seriously. If your child was even born like deformed <clears throat> in any way, shape, or mm-hmm. form, they would often think that it was the devil's work. Yeah. That's a rough Well, time. I mean, people in Greece would kill the infants that would have any kind of physical deformities. Yeah. They'd throw them over the cliffs. Could you oh. imagine? Like, I just, I can't even, I can't even put myself in that mindset. Be like, um, well, this is one ugly baby. Bloop. Throw it out. Throw it out. Yeah. Start yeah. again. Yeah. So there's no recorded history of a birth in this house other than Charles Tottenham's children, you know, from years past. Mm-hmm. But there's no record of Anne ever having a child. Right. But... The infant was found in the room where she was confined until her death. And, you know, so we don't know what the actual story is. So there are hauntings and weird, weird shit that happens, basically, going back as far as 1790, before the infant was even found in the wall. Hmm. So there was a man called Reverend George Reed. He stayed with a large party at the hall sometime around 1790, and he was given the tapestry chamber to sleep in. And he said while he was in bed asleep, something heavy leapt upon his bed, growling like a dog. The curtains were torn back and the clothes from the bed, the sheets from the bed were stripped away. He thought that it was some of his friends playing tricks, so he shouted at them to warn them and he fired his pistol pistol up to the chimney and he searched the room, and of course, he found nothing, and the door was locked just like he left it when he went to bed. Oh my gosh. So, several, about 15 years or so later, um, the second Marquess of Eli was at the hall. Fancy. <laughs> and uh, his valet, Shannon, was put in the tapestry chamber. And he woke the whole household because he started screaming in the middle of the night. And he said pretty much the same thing the curtains. And the sheets were ripped away from the bed. He had been, uh, they had been violently torn back. And he saw, quote, a tall lady dressed in stiff brocaded silk. And he fled the house in terror. Wow. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to point this out. There's been a consistency through all of our stories. The men are the ones, like, fleeing in terror. And the women are like, what's that? Hello? Hi. hi. I know. Do, Do you need a sandwich? Are you okay? <laughs> but the men are like, no, peace out. I'm, I'm done. Is that, is this, is this like a biologically ingrained part of mankind? We're just, we're just braver <laughs> than they are. Yeah. We're just braver. <laughs> um, so fast forward a few more years, George Reed and his father, Reverend George Reed, who I talked about just a minute ago, they mm-hmm. were staying at the house. The son, the younger George, didn't know about his father's earlier experience, and he chose the tapestry room as his bedroom. He said that one bright moonlit night, he was up late reading an article, and he saw the door open. A tall lady in a stiff brocade dress passed noiselessly through the room to a closet in the corner and then disappear. And for some reason, the thought of a ghost never crossed his mind, so he didn't even mention it. (laughs) He was just like, oh, you know, a lady, probably cleaning lady. There's like yeah, a secret passage. Yeah, he didn't think anything of it. It's fine. So apparently, she was not transparent enough to be curious. Like she looked like a woman. She was like a full-bodied apparition, which is creepy. But he still so, didn't think anything of it. He was still no, just like, "It's fine." He was like, "Okay, whatever." And so the next night, it happened again. And this time he ran toward her, threw his arm around her. And when he did, he goes, ha, I have you now. And he ended up punching the bedpost because it went right through her. And um, the, the figure continued and he said that her silk brocaded gown lapped against the curtain and then she vanished. So the next morning, <clears throat> he tells his father this story. And his father didn't say anything because his father had had... An, a similarly creepy story several years back. So his father was like, all right, okie dokie. 
Um, so when they were leaving several days later, the younger George starts telling the valet Shannon, who fled in terror mm-hmm. previously, um, about the story. And Shannon said he would sooner leave his lordship's service than sleep in the tapestry chamber. George asked him why, and Shannon told him the story of Anne, which he had never heard before. He didn't know anything about Anne Tottenham. So he saw this woman walk through his room twice while he was staying there, and then he found out from the valet that Anne had died in that room. Right. Um, There was, uh, let's see... That one's kind of confusing. I found another story, but it's kind of confusing. It's like an eight-year-old went there with his mother for bathing season, which was swimming. Bathing season. Oh, it's that time of year and, again. Yeah. 1857. <laughs> Let's go. to the hall for the bathing wash season. Wash ourselves. His mother was the lady of the bedchamber. Okay. <laughs> wow. um, the tutor, yeah, his tutor went with them, and the tutor was put in the tapestry chamber and when he came down to breakfast one morning, he was obviously nervous, but he didn't say anything. Um, and then he eventually wrote to George Reed, the younger George, and told him about it. And that's when George was like, yeah, here's what happened. Fun times. Um, so, let's see. Um, in the time that the tutor was staying in that room... He said a splendidly fitted dressing case was ransacked during the night. Um, Let's see. He slept in there for three weeks without disturbance, didn't know anything about Ann Tottenham, and then one night uh, he had something heavy jumping on the bed, growling, tearing off the bedclothes. He leapt out of bed, lighted a candle, couldn't find anything. Um, Yeah, so... Common occurrences, right? Somebody's jumping on the bed, shaking the bed, ripping the sheets off. Like, basically, in my mind, that's telling you to, like, get the hell out of there. Right. Like, I don't want you in my room, right? Right. Um, So, so another story, in 1868, George Reed once more visited the hall, and the house had been altered quite a bit by this point. The tapestry chamber was now a billiards room. Mm-hmm. He asked the old housekeeper how Miss Ann Tottenham had taken these changes, and she replied, Oh, Master George, don't talk about her. Last night she made a horrid noise knocking the billiard balls about. Okay. <laughs> um, so in 1917... Uh, by this point, the house had been empty for a while, and a Benedictine order of nuns bought the house, and they fixed it up as a convent, and they lived there for 18 years. During their time in the home, however, two nuns drowned in the bay. Oh, gosh. And another reportedly died on the stairs. She was fell, she fell or was pushed down the stairs and died. And there's now they have a cross, a wooden cross, built into a, the platform on the stairs where she died, and supposedly later on, a man died in the same spot. Um, after the Benedictine order of nuns left. Now, mind you, this is really interesting to me because the legend is that the devil himself played cards at this house and then leapt through the ceiling. And now we have two orders of nuns living in the house. Right. So the fact that nuns died in their time there, unexplained deaths. Right. Is really interesting. Um... The second convent, the second order of nuns who lived there, they opened the house up for public mass, and people refused to come because they had heard the legends of the devil mm-hmm. being in this house. So it didn't last very long as an as a open um, place of worship. People were just too afraid to come. And they also had a lot of nuns who would come there for a short period of time, and then they would take missions far, far away. <laughs> wow. So they couldn't, they couldn't maintain it. Right. Um, Fast forward to the 1980s. There was a couple by the name of Kitty and Michael who bought the Loftus Hall, and uh, they renovated it, and it was serving them well. Michael died of old age, natural causes, whatever. Kitty tried to maintain it, and then one day, just very abruptly, she left the house and left all of her belongings inside, and somebody tracked her down and asked her why, and she said that the house told her to get out. I mean, that seems like a legit reason to just go. Yeah. Yeah. You're just Peace like, out. Okay. You got yep. it. Whatever you want. So the current owners offer tours and um, they've, you know, refer like updated it, renovated it a little bit. So it's actually like you can function there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they have infrared cameras in the room um, so that they can keep an eye on the tours that are going on. And they have, I can share the footage in the Facebook group because they have an actual footage of a tour group. And when they were in the tapestry room, the light, the, all the power went out. And one of the boys went, quote, animal aggressive, grabbing a young woman by the throat. And he had to be pulled off and sat on until he calmed down. Good Lord. Just all of a sudden, he just went crazy. It's pretty scary to yeah. watch. Like, he's choking her. Um, so all throughout the house, there are statues that have been beheaded. They don't know why. There are um, statues of Jesus in various rooms of the house that are beheaded, and they'll often be turned around facing the wall. Um, there are pictures in the church part of the house that the nuns used of, like, all the stations of the cross, and they've all been defaced. Wow. Um, they'll find crosses hanging upside down, all kinds of stuff. Um, they get a lot of activity in that wooden cross on the floor and mm-hmm. the staircase too. There's a lot of like, they'll have their, like the EMF readings and stuff will be really high there. It gets really cold. You'll hear footsteps on the stairs, all that stuff. Um, ghost adventures crew was allowed full access. They were the first ghost investigator crew to ever be allowed full access to Loftus Hall. Why um, would they give it to the, God, I can't stand that team. Sorry. <laughs> so in the. Very top floor, Zach Baggins actually went up there on his own, and he recorded a door at the end of the hallway close by itself right after he commanded something to happen. He asked, like, you know, something like, if you're here, show yourself or whatever, and a door started to close by itself, very obviously, and it was really creepy. Um, They captured a mist walking through a doorway, a woman's voice, bumps and bangs and light anomalies on the stairs and in a static imagery camera they show uh they had aaron and the other dude sitting at a table playing cards mm-hmm. and zach was using the static imagery camera and they saw a figure stand on top of aaron's head and when zach said you know is that you raise your arm the figure raised his arm and Aaron started to get physically sick and he ended up having to go outside and throw up. Okay, listen, let's take a side, let's take a side journey here just for a minute. Okay. <laughs> See, I don't do yeah. stories like this for a reason. I don't do stories like this for a reason because it's bad. They're bad. Like I don't want the devil. I don't even want to mess with it. But there are these books that I love because I, I love like suspense, horror, that sort of thing. Um, but there's a a Christian author, Frank Peretti who wrote a story about spiritual warfare. And in the story, the the demons attach themselves to mm-hmm. humans' heads. Mm-hmm. And that's how they, they whisper and influence and make yeah. people do terrible things. So this is just like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Nope. It nope. was sitting like on his head in the back of his neck because he was kind of like leaning over the table like you would if you're nope. playing cards, right? And so yeah. it was like right yeah. here. And it's like mm-hmm. dancing around on his head. Um, another paranormal group out of Ireland, the Wexford Paranormal, they mm-hmm. did an investigation. On the ground floor, they heard footsteps. Um, and there was one part in it where there was a group of them. And I hate these because they talk entirely too much. We talked about that. Like, they just don't shut up. Right. Um, but there's a group of them. And two of the women in the group at the same exact time were like, oh, my God, no, no, like that. Like, they f- legitimately freaked out. And when they asked them what was wrong, they said that they saw a big shadowy man run at them. And at first, one of the women thought it was like the caretaker. And they realized right. it was a shadow of a man. And it just right. kept coming and then vanished right before it got to them. But it scared them so bad. Like, you can see it on camera and they are just visibly shaken. Um, they saw, this was creepy, they saw a, a big wardrobe get up mm-hmm. and move on its own. Like, levitate and oh, move. it's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> it lifted off the ground several times and it would move slightly across the floor. They took a lot of pictures during their investigation, and one picture was taken from the staircase facing what used to be the, well, it's still the front door, but there's no glass in it. It's, like, kind of messed up or whatever. And it looks like the house is on fire. Oh. I mean, it's, like, orange and flames. 
oh. through the win- what used to be the windows of the front door. And they right. investigated it, and they're like, we can't replicate this. We can't, like, it's there's nothing around Loftus Hall. There's no electricity other than the stuff that the um, caretakers use to have these tours and stuff. So it's like as black as black can be when it's nighttime. Like, there's nothing. And they oh could God. not find any reason for the picture to look like that. Um, Irish Ghost Hunters has an episode on it, and I watched it, and it was terrifying. Um, they were in the chapel, and one of the ladies was using an infrared camera. And now I have to say, I like them because they're quiet. <laughs> they yeah. actually did a really good job with their investigation, and you could hear stuff because they weren't talking the whole time. So they're right. in the chapel, and one of the ladies has an infrared camera, and it picked up a hot spot on one of the pews, mm-hmm. like somebody was sitting on it. It was right. like a red spot on one of the pews, and there was nothing there. Um, another mm. investigator was in Lady Anne's room, in the tapestry room, and his infrared camera showed someone sitting in a chair that was about three or four feet tall. He could see the heat signature of a person three or four feet tall and it would sit in the chair and then it would get up and it would stand behind the chair and then it would get back in the chair and they're like going all over around this chair there's nothing in the chair there's nothing over there that would make it heat up like that i mean so they they had it like for a long time this this figure was just moving all over this chair um one guy went upstairs to the utmost uh, bedroom, the same one that Zach saw the door close in when they did Ghost Adventures there. Um, the Irish paranormal investigators were up there, and he got on the radio, and he goes, is one of you guys coming up the stairs behind me? And they're like, nope, we're down in the like in the basement with all the equipment. We're just watching or whatever. But he went up the stairs, and he heard somebody come up the stairs after him. He heard the footsteps come up. And um, his camera kept flickering. Like, the power was going to go out. And then he went into the same room where Zach saw the door close. He went into that room and sat in a chair that was just weirdly in the middle of the room. Just a regu- just a little tiny chair. He sat down in the middle of the chair and his camera failed completely right after he said, okay, I'm about to come down. His camera failed completely. And <laughs> one of the other guys had to come up and get him. Because like I said, pitch black dark. You can't see anything. So one of the other guys right. had to come up with a night vision camera to get him. And he's walking around, and he's like, where are you? Where are you? And he finally finds him, and he's just standing there, like, just doing nothing. He was, like, frozen in place, like he was in a trance almost. And um, they were like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he was really confused and disoriented, and he didn't remember how he got to where he was standing. Um, They said the whole time they were in the house, the house just really felt very oppressive and angry. Mm -hmm. And several of them reported having nightmares for months after the investigation, and they've never had that happen before from any other investigation they've done. Right. Well. So, yep. So that is uh, Loftus Hall. And uh, so, you know, whether it was the devil or not, there's something. That's still happening? Yeah, this is ongoing. There's this is like the the last few investigations that I mentioned are within the last like five to ten years, and you can go on tours there, and apparently stuff happens a lot. Like you'll what? see, you'll see the woman. The woman's fine. You know, That's whatever. Yeah. That's a ghost. Whatever. 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 Yeah. But I don't but like go somewhere the statues where, being mm. beheaded, Jesus being turned around to face the wall. Like there's no. something demonic in that house, obviously. Right. You know, it's just, it's extra creepy. So, uh, yeah. Um, Like I said, the legend is that the devil played cards there and then shot through the roof. And there's a lot of reasons that that could be false. But then you start getting into the stuff that happens, that continues to happen. And you're like, well, was it the devil? The fact that nuns lived there, two different convents of nuns lived there. And they were like, a lot of them were killed and, and, you know, Jesus is the stations of the cross were defaced and statues were beheaded. And it's just, it's weird, right? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yep. So um, not that was not a fun it. story. That's a creepy, creepy story. But That's it's really a- interesting to me because it is so old. And there's, you know, there's stories from as far back as uh, 1790. There's hauntings. Definitely not Wuthering Heights. <laughs> Definitely not so. Heights. 
Mm-mm. I just find it really interesting that there's been hauntings going on for more than 200 years and they're still very active. Well, I think <laughs> my opinion on vortexes of pure evil. No, it's uh are they still seeing the the woman in brocade? Uh-huh. She's still around? Okay. She's she, still around. See that that stuff that's cool to me and that's all fascinating to me. The fact that there would be like an evil presence in the house like in the hall it's like living there like that makes sense. It also tells me that like people probably shouldn't be going there and tempting fate and that idiot Zach mm-hmm. whatever his name is Baggins, yeah, I know. He's an idiot. Like and I guarantee you he was up in there like all right, come at me, bro. Let's do this. Actually, I will say this. He was scared shitless well, he when be. he was in that house. He should be. That man like, has no respect for, like, anything. No. He was He was very obviously scared, and he felt the oppressiveness of the house. Like, he felt it, and it was very heavy. And, it like, when that door moved, I've never seen him so scared on any episode ever. Oh, good. Like, yeah, he was terrified. So, um, I think he had a little more respect for that place because they immediately, like, when even when they were just setting up, yeah, stuff was happening. Well, you don't, you don't, you know, dance with the devil in, exactly. in Ireland. In the pale moonlight. In the pale moonlight. What up? Ugh. That's terrifying. So, that's, that's Loftus Hall in County Ugh. Wexford. You can go for a visit. I think I will not. Yeah, I'm going to pass. I'm all about visiting some cool castles and stuff. Like, Ireland's absolutely beautiful, but I don't want to be anywhere where the devil is. Thank you. No, 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 no. I got too much Catholic blood in me right now. Like, I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm over here, like, like boiling. Like, no. Yeah. No. No, 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 The no, whole no. thing about the baby in the wall is so freaking creepy. That, to me, is just not surprising simply because it happened so much during that time. People were killing their kids, and honestly, in Ireland a lot. Like, that part, that was a huge part of their history, was the, and just because of the, the, like, poverty, because of the superstitions, um, because of, you know, like, just weird things. Not to mention the, the not to be terrible, but the the higher classes were inbreeding, you know, yeah. um, so there were a lot of issues, and to hide that stuff, I mean, murders happened. Yeah, often by the midwives that were delivering the babies in the first place. Yeah. So, and then how Anne was found when she died, like that's she was up. like frozen in the fetal position, locked. That's messed that's up. Weird. It's weird, right? There's a lot of weirdness in that story. A lot of evil in yeah. that place. A lot of evil. Yeah. yeah. It's really strange. I don't so. like it. I don't like it. This is not so there fine. you go. <laughs> it's not fine. It's, it's not the devil. Fine. <laughs> Be gone, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. So that was a fun one. Sorry, ride. that was a heavy story. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Jesus protect maybe, us. Maybe yours is a little lighter? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, mine's lighter. And it's about it's it's also about the Irish. But not in Ireland. The Irish. The Irish. Um, I feel like I need to have a Guinness for this episode. Yeah, there you go. There you <laughs> go. I actually thought that the entire time. I was like, wait a minute. She said she's doing an Irish story. <gasps> Too bad it's not a beer episode. <laughs> I wonder if there are stories of the Guinness brew house being haunted. There are. Because it's old. There, there are. are. Yeah. Because I was there and nothing happened. Like... I didn't experience yeah. anything. I mean, I think in the place. Except really freaking fantastic beer. Yeah. That's all go. I experienced. From the stories that I was, that I've read about it, and this has been years that I've, since I've read these things, um, the main areas aren't super, like, not anything crazy, but there are some, like, some of the, like, original structures, but it was mm-hmm. more from the land. Yeah. Than anything else. So, like, nothing I love demonic. That- I love that uh, Arthur Guinness signed a 9,000-year lease on that property. Hey, the man, he knew. Isn't that cool? That is cool. And it was some ridiculously low amount, like, I don't know. $12. I don't know. It was something really ridiculous, <laughs> but it was for 9,000 years. And when you first walk into the Guinness storehouse, they have it under glass in the floor so you can see it. Nice. 
it's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. It's a cool place. Yeah. I loved it. That's and awesome. I got to like pour my, my Guinness, learn how the perfect pour was so good. <laughs> so good. Her life it's the best beer in the whole true. world. It really did. It really did. I got to drink Guinness in an authentic Irish pub for my birthday, surrounded by a bunch of old Irishmen singing Irish folk songs. It was pretty freaking fantastic. It sounds fantastic. I'd be into it, minus the whole beer thing. I'm not a beer drinker. But you'd I'd have be, to have a Guinness with me, I'd, though. I'd be you'd have into to have the one. whole, like, listening to old Irishmen singing. And it was just so cool. being a part of that, like, because it sounds like something you'd see in the movies or read in the books. Yeah. And it was very that cool. That's but, it, like, it actually goes on. They, yeah. like, that's, like, normal. It it was so cool. I love it. It was awesome. That's you'd so either awesome. have to have a Guinness with me or a shot of Irish whiskey. I'll do the whiskey. Okay. I'll do the whiskey, not the beer. Because okay. the whiskey will just warm me up and make my throat feel nice. <laughs> All tingly inside. All tingly. We'll call it a one and done, and then I'll just listen to people sing. And because I'm a lightweight, I'll sing loudly along in a faux Irish accent. <laughs> and you'll say, one more, then we go at the then end of every go. song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I would do. All right. So liven up the mood, Erin, because that was dark. All right. Are you ready? <laughs> This is about the Irish cheerleaders. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) The look on your face was amazing. And it was, I wish that I was recording the video because we'd be using that for everything. Oh my God, guys. She just like, her eyes went wide. Like, what is she talking about? What? Irish cheerleaders? That's awesome. Awesome. No, no, definitely not about cheerleaders. Um, But this story takes place in Pennsylvania, which is pretty cool. It's in a town called Jim Thorpe, and it is about the old jail. In fact, it's uh, today the old jail museum, so you can still visit this place. Um, 137 years ago, there were four Irishmen who were accused of being Molly Maguire's. And in case you are not familiar with Irish American history, Molly Maguire's were um, a secret society that were they they were active predominantly in Ireland, Liverpool, and Eastern U.S. And this was um, pretty much activism for Irish Americans and Irish immigrant coal miners because they were treated very very poorly. So the Molly Maguire's were you know rioting and you know had. I guess there were, like, conspiracies and, and all the stuff surrounding that. I'm not going to go into the full history because that's an episode of its own. Um, but there was a group of men here in Pennsylvania and Jim Thorpe um, that were accused of being Molly Maguire's. They were accused of murder, arson, kidnapping, and other crimes aimed at the unscrupulous coal industry. So they were arrested and put in the jail. Um because they were worried that if they weren't arrested and put in jail and taken care of pretty immediately, that they would be sending secret messages to other potential revolutionaries. And God forbid we have, you know, a revolution. So this is pre-Irish revolution. This is pre. Now, one of the accused men was a man named Alexander Campbell, and he was outraged at being arrested and placed in this jail because he said he was innocent. The other men, the other of the four men, didn't say as much. They, I think, personally, they were probably uh, very involved, but they or they just had given up on having the U.S. citizens actually listen to them, like, we're not going to do anything. But Alexander Campbell was like, no, this is not happening. This is, you know, I did not do this. I had no part in this. Um, but he was tried for, and... Uh, they said he was guilty, completely guilty. Like, he, even after, like, after he was returned, he was returned to jail cell 17. He shouted. You could hear him shouting, I'm innocent. Um, I'm an innocent man. And the day that he was to be executed, Alexander reached down to the floor and rubbed his hand in the dirt. And he put his hand in the air and he said, this is the hand of an innocent man and it will, rem- and it will remain forever to shame the country for hanging an innocent man. And he put his hand on the wall and left a handprint. He was hung hours later, just a few hours later. Died. Um, he was hung along with the other four men that were that were arrested. 
So after his body was buried, the jailers were cleaning up cell 17 and they scrubbed the handprint off the wall. But a few days later, the handprint reappeared. It came back. And people were a little concerned. The guards were like, wait a minute, maybe he was telling the truth. So they, to keep, you know, everyone from like questioning their judgment, they kept scrubbing the walls. Um, not only did they scrub the walls, but they painted over the walls, just painted over it. The handprint came back. Every time they Jeez. tried to remove the handprint, it came back. Um, in 1930, Sheriff Robert Bowman decided to put an end to this nonsense that had been going on for so long. Because, I mean, love, bear in mind the time difference here. From 1877 to 1930, like almost 60 years, they, they haven't been able to get rid of this hand. <clears throat> haven't been able to get rid of it, despite That's scrubbing, crazy. weakly removing it. Okay, so he Jeez. says... We're going to we're going to we're going to deal with this. So he brings a county road gang into the jail and has them tear out the wall. When the wall was taken out, they put a new wall in and covered it with fresh. That's one way to do it. Fresh plaster. (laughs) (laughs) After the work was done, Sheriff Bowman was very confident that he had dealt with this issue and it was it was taken care of. And the next day he went to the jail and the handprint was back. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! That's so crazy. The, yep, the handprint was back. They have torn down the jail cell. The jail cell was never used again. Tore it down. It's been rebuilt. It's been repainted. It's been replastered. It's been updated with new, new um, materials and stuff. The handprint is still there to this very day. To this very day, the handprint is there. Wow. Proving Alexander Campbell's innocence. And um, as of today, the current owners have, they're not trying to hide it anymore because they're like, you know what? This is, they've been trying to get rid of this for 100 years. We're not going to try. It is what it is. And they've turned it into a uh, museum. And while a lot of people are very interested in the old jail museum, and they're very interested in Jim Thorpe because Jim Thorpe was named, you know, the one of the, I think it's like the fourth prettiest small town in the United States or something. Um, everybody comes to see Alexander Campbell's muddy but looks bloody handprint on the wall. Now, despite that, um, people aren't just seeing the handprint when they go in. That's like the the main draw, obviously. Because of course not. Because of course not. <laughs> what fun would that be? <laughs> what fun would that be? It's a great story, and it's amazing that it's still there despite all of what they've done to get rid of it. But um, when you go in there, you will hear footsteps walking around, even if no one else is in there. And it's not like quiet footsteps. It's like marching around, like boots, heavy, heavy footfall, um, which is the apocalypse is coming. Do you hear? helicopter flying over my house <laughs> it's no, the helicopter it. of doom i'm supposed to stop telling the story <laughs> helicopter of doom helicopter of doom um doom, 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 doom. <laughs> <laughs> you'll hear loud bangs from the solitary confinement cells where the prisoners were kept and went a little bit unhappy a little bit crazy from being kept in solitary. Because this is before they realized that solitary confinement's actually really dangerous for mental health, especially for prolonged periods of time. Um, you will see shadows creeping around the walls. Which doesn't sound scary, except for the fact that, like, there's nobody there to make the shadows. Which I find, I think that's pretty terrifying. I, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't want to deal with shadow people. I don't want to deal with shadow people. Mm-mm. Um... The the inmates will wander around the halls. You'll occasionally see, like, a full-bodied, like, apparition of an inmate just passing through um, or leaned up against a jail cell. They'll just, they'll just be there chilling. And it's like, it's like history on repeat. That's so weird. You know? Like, they're not interacting with anybody. They're not. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah. They're just living <laughs> things over and over and over again. Um, the warden of the jail is often seen. He's seen very frequently checking up on things to make sure everything's on the up and up. 
And he'll just walk through and you'll see him peeking into cells and just marching through, which I Holy think. Shit. Can you imagine like you're on a tour there yeah. and you go into one cell just to see what it's like and you turn around and there's a ghostly face just like peeking around the corner like, well, hey. They what are you doing say, in there? I read a story, oh. I think it was on TripAdvisor that I read this story. Um, a young man was there touring, um, and I think it was like a class trip or something, because it's a historical part of mm-hmm. Jim Thorpe. Um, but he saw a man wearing a black suit and a tall hat, very structured, very old-fashioned, and he thought it was someone that worked there. And when he asked about it, they were like, oh, no, that's just the warden. And he didn't, oh and he didn't even realize because the it was so clearly manifested that it didn't. He didn't look like a ghost. He just looked yeah. like a person dressed up in old old timey apparel. So there is that. Um, but my personal favorite, I mean, beyond the handprint because I love the handprint because I feel like it's the ultimate like finger to the. You know, the wrong He's like, <laughs> I'll show you. I just ruined your jail because <laughs> they could never <laughs> use it again because everyone was so afraid. Um, but my personal favorite is the warden's wife actually would cook for the prisoners herself. She was she took care of them and she had full control of the kitchen. So you'll <clears throat> often pass the kitchen and you will hear pots and pans moving. Now, this kitchen isn't in use. Nobody's using yeah. it, but you'll smell food coming from the kitchen and you'll hear pots and pans moving and you'll see things move across the kitchen on their own and it's it's just her she's just busy on herself she's just making food and getting on with her bad self and she's happy about it but getting on with her bad yeah she's she's just a (laughs) she's just a happy lady cooking food because apparently she loved to cook and you know she just did it for all the prisoners so you can still visit. It's it, like I said, this was a short story. I had a very happy, lighthearted story, and I'm very mm-hmm. happy with it because it's no one's going to get possessed or killed. It's so nice. <laughs> you can go in. You can peek at some ghosts. Can you touch? Can you touch the handprint? I don't think they let you touch the handprint, but you can go right up to it. Like you can get your pictures with it, and you can see the pictures online. Like they're all over the place, and um, a lot of people go in and take pictures, and they do get apparitions and orbs mm. and whatnot. And the EVPs are pretty interesting. They're not like, get out or we'll kill you. It's like, hey, what are you doing? Or, you know, just random like little things. Like, nothing crazy. It's like, it's like another dimension. <laughs> like, history is just being replayed. And yeah. that's it. It's not too bad. Thank God. Hmm. Now, apparently, yeah. apparently outside, um, I guess I think there's like another little building nearby that is a little bit more violently active Active? because the gallows were there. Oh. And there were a lot of people hung in that area that were guilty of heinous crimes. Um, Yeah. But I opted to not even talk about that given that my next story is so terrifying. And I was like, I need a break. I need a mental break (laughs) because I cannot take any more of this. So, yeah. But that's Jim Thorpe. Go visit it. Go check out the handprint that's been there for almost 140 years because it's still there. Maybe that's what we should do when I come because it's not super creepy. No, it's, it's not. it's still ghosty. Yeah, it's not super creepy. We can take some pictures, get some orbs. They pretty much guarantee that you'll get orbs in your, in your pictures. So, I want to take a picture where I'm standing like this. Like it looks like I have my arm around something and just see if there's something in the picture when it comes out. Yes. <laughs> Let's see if there's a dude like... like- poop yourself i probably would it would be a cool picture though wouldn't it (laughs) be a very cool picture (laughs) very cool picture be like hey high five (laughs) alexander campbell and then your hand will have like mud on it oh god you'd never be able to get it off that would suck you're like i didn't do this i didn't hang you (laughs) (laughs) make it washable mud that's a cool story isn't that cool yeah. I love it so, so much. I love that they even went so far as to tear the wall down yeah. and the handprint came back. They've torn it down multiple times. They've torn it down. It's like they've burned it off. They've used industrial cleaners. They've done everything. It's the new owners that were like, stop. We're clearly not bleaching this off. Right. 
We've tried. Even Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. We tried it's it all. It's not coming. It's not coming <laughs> off. I'm pretty sure that whatever whatever magic Alexander Campbell had, my children have. Because I've had that I've had those things pop up at our house and I'm like, oh, I've used everything and it's not coming up. I'm gonna tear the wall. Especially down. on the fridge. I've noticed that on our refrigerator. I cannot get the handprints off of our refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, you have like the stainless steel kind too. Yeah. It's freaking ghosts. It's ghosts. It's I'm ghosts. They They're just hungry. Make, they need to make ghost proof refrigerators. I'm ser- They're making a sandwich. They're hungry. They're in the kitchen making a sandwich. <laughs> Listen, like it's it's exhausting. Look to be a yeah. ghost they need their protein they need their carbs they really do yep i mean they're wasting away to practically nothing <laughs> i mean you can see through them for you crying can see out loud. right through them goodness eat a burger see ghost guy what i'm talking about ghost rights yeah ghost rights. feed your ghosts guys leave snacks come on don't they do that That's- in what country do they do that in where once a year they put out like tiny clothes and tiny food for the dead because, I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, because they said, cool. I think it, it, maybe it's China. I don't know. I'm going to look. That, but that one's, it's probably an Asian country. I don't know why, but they have weird They've got traditions. very interesting. Yeah. There's yeah. one, there, there's a story that I cannot remember the name of it, but they put money out and rice cakes out and stuff one day of the year because apparently they believe that the spirits that are left on earth are always hungry. It's like their punishment. So they only feed them once a year? I guess. That's pretty crappy. Well, I think that's the only time they're able to. Like, they can make offerings and stuff, but there's a holiday where everybody does oh. it. But you can okay. choose to feed your own spirits. I gotcha. I'll have to look. It's pretty cool. I, I kind of want to experiment with that. Like, put out a sandwich and then come back the next day and see if anybody's eating He'll it. He'll leave a note and say, I need gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> Leave off the cheese. More mustard. I got to tell you, though. <laughs> I have a lot of stories that I've looked at that take place in Asia and, like, China and Japan. And I... They're scary. I can't. Like, I'm so afraid of them because... I know. I don't know what you guys are doing over there. Listen. Look. <laughs> I don't know what I know. I on. looked at some, too. I actually... There's one that I will talk about very briefly because I, I decided not to do it because it creeped me out, but... It was a group of young people, like, I guess, teenagers, young adults or whatever, who moved here to America from Laos, Mm -hmm. Thailand, I guess. Right. And all of a sudden, they started having night terrors to the point where they would make themselves stay up for days at a time because they were too afraid to go to sleep. Oh, that sounds like me. And... Then they would die in their sleep. Oh. And upon autopsy, they couldn't find anything wrong with them. There was no heart attack. There was no nothing. And it was like 18 people who moved here from Laos that all complained of the same thing. And the guy, uh, Wes Craven, who created yeah. Freddy Krueger, yeah. that's where he got that story from. One, because two, three, he said that boy, these people, oh you know... People, like, of course, the people from Laos, they're very spiritual and very right. whatever. And, and they said that there was something that was, like, physically harming these people in their sleep. Like, one guy, they even said when they when they went to get him up the next day, he finally went to sleep after being awake for seven days. Seven days. And he fell asleep sitting on the couch. And they were, like, so relieved that he finally went to sleep. And they carried him up to bed and put him to bed. And the next morning, they found him dead in his bed. And they found in his closet, he had a coffee maker in there. Mm. And he had been drinking coffee, like, nonstop to try to stay awake. And all the sleeping pills they had given him, he had spit them out. And they were in the floor. Like, he would not go to sleep. He was terrified to go to sleep. Oh, my gosh. It is Freddy Krueger. Isn't that scary? See, Wes Craven had it right. He's like, I know how to yeah. scare the bejesus out of everyone. We're going to China. We're going and looking at it. Was it was Thailand. Thailand, sorry. Yeah. Thailand. It was like, but it's just weird to me because it was 18 separate cases of people who yeah. came here from Laos and they all complained of the same issue that they were being terrorized in their sleep. Like, where was it here? Was it all in the same place? It was, I think so, yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I have, have to, to look it up again because I don't remember. But, yeah, it scared the bejesus out of me. Everything 
in Asian culture is like beautiful and terrifying. It's like it's mm-hmm. it's and it's definitely like I would go visit, but I would need to bring a priest. I'm just saying. Laos is in Cambodia. I need to correct myself. It's in Cambodia, not Thailand. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. We don't know um, anything. We don't know geography, people. We apologize. This was in 1981 when all of this happened. What? Mm-hmm. That was like not long ago. I know. Um, and in fact, the Federal Centers for Disease Control here in Atlanta conducted an inquiry into it. Oh my God. Um, it says 18 apparently healthy Loatian refugees died mysteriously in their sleep um, from seven from 1977 to 1981. 17 men and a woman um, were members of a preliterate, I can't say this, Laotian, I'm sure I butchered that, mountain society called the Hamong. And about 35,000 Hamong are now living in the U.S., most of them fled their homeland after it was overrun in 1975. Um, doop, doop, doop. It says they live in concentrated communities in Missoula, Montana, Santa Ana, California, Providence, Rhode Island, Denver, and Minneapolis, St. Paul. So they were in different cities. And this was happening. The cause of death of the 18 <clears throat> refugees in their own beds in the early morning hours remains a mystery. Oh, my gosh. Um... They said it was probable cardiac arrhythmia, but they couldn't find anything in their autopsy to show that they had any kind of heart problems. They named it, in medical literature, they named it Oriental Nightmare Death Syndrome. Oriental Nightmare Death Syndrome. I mean, wow. But just the fact that, like, the Federal Centers for Disease Control couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy. It says, um... They didn't die of getting shot in the head, stabbed in the heart. They didn't fall off the roof. They didn't get poisoned because we did an autopsy in each case and we got a big zero. Wow. Five of them were in Minneapolis within 18 months. Um, yeah. Wow. So there's a word in, there's a word. It's, I don't know how to say this. It looks like bang and gut. And it means nightmare, and that's what it's being, they're calling that, like, the nightmare death syndrome. Yeah. So, that's frightening, to say yeah, the very they, least. They might literally have been frightened to death. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, there you go. Wow. There's an extra story for you. <laughs> that's quite spooky creepy (laughs) yeah i know good lord and then it just stopped one day just all of a sudden stopped it just stopped yep and no one's like hmm we should probably well i mean they investigated there were multiple groups that investigated this right like the individual city yeah that these people lived in because there were like i said they were clumped together in different cities they investigated it the federal center for disease control here in atlanta investigated it they did autopsies of every single person what couldn't find anything nothing it was like perfectly healthy went to sleep died and before they died they would complain of having these really horrible night terrors and they would not go to sleep until they their body just pretty much shut down yep oh crazy okay so there's something to be said for night terrors no don't tell me that don't tell me that (laughs) (laughs) marley used to have them yeah Mm mm-hmm it was scary yeah like she would she would it looked like she was awake Mm -hmm. but she wasn't awake but she would be screaming bloody murder and, like, thrashing around and all of that. And I would just have to, like, put her arms down by her sides and hold my body weight around her to keep her from hurting herself until it stopped. Oh, my gosh. She did that when she was, like, from about, like, 16 months old or so until she was about two. It was terrible. Wow. My yeah. terrors are pretty scary. My brother used to have them and my, my uh, 10-year-old has them. Yeah. You can't wake up. Nope. It's awful. It is Daisy, awful. Daisy, shut up. 
Daisy's putting her two cents in. She's like, yeah, it's a bad thing. I don't like it. It's scary, Mom. I don't like it. So there you go. Um, we want you to send us your ghosty stories. Girlsandghoulspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just go to Girls and Ghouls on Instagram and send us a private message that way. Do Either it. way is fine. We yes. don't care. Um, we'll send you a pearl sticker and a little handwritten letter. Yeah. If we use it on an episode. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, podcast while you're listening to it just snap a quick screenshot of you listening to it and put it on instagram and tag us at girls and ghouls we'd love to share it anything else yeah no nope. i think we're done being creepy for the day i think that's it All stay right, spooky guys bye bye